0: Lillian grew up in Brazil and came to the United States on a volleyball scholarship to the University of Arkansas. In 2006, her husband started a commercial cleaning company in Worcester, Mass., and she joined that company full-time in 2011. While her husband went off to another business, she became a 100% owner and CEO of Pro and became a women-owned business. Since that time, they've grown over 40% average per year and have had employee turnover at 13.5% versus an industry average of 85%. She's also won a Small Business Award for a Top Woman-Owned Business and has been awarded 40 Under 40. Lillian Radke, welcome into the corner office.
1: Thank you for having me here, Brett. Oh, pleasure.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, Terrific. Well, it's great to have you here and great to be connected through C12. We've spoken a couple of times prior to this podcast, and I'm looking forward to your speaking in Atlanta in May. Yes. <laughs> That'll be fun. We got the agenda the other day, and I'm very, very excited. It'll be my first C12 uh, conference. And for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, Group C12, it is a international group of uh, business owners and CEOs that have a faith tra- based tradition in their company and in their family and are bringing it to the workplace. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through our podcast. But Lillian, let's start with your early years. I know that you're an immigrant to the U.S., so tell us a a little bit about growing up and Brazil and, you know, what your early family life was like.
1: Sure. So I was born and raised in Brazil in a state called Sao Paulo, which mm. is also the inter- where the international airport is located. So a lot of right. people are familiar with Sao Paulo. Yes. And um, my parents got divorced when I was six months. Oh, so wow. it was basically me, my sister and my mom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the three of you and younger sister, older sister.
1: Older sister. She's two years older than me.
0: Got it. And was your dad a part of your life at all, or you just really pretty much grew up with mom and your sis? Uh,
1: it was more like a once a month having lunch, that kind of thing. Right, um, right. He was around, but not really as a male figure figure in my life. Much
0: of a much, yeah. much of an influencer. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your mom. What did she mm-hmm. do, and what kind of an influence did she have on your early years?
1: Sure. My mom, uh, when she was eighteen, she was actually living here in the U- U.S. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah, she went to like a seminary in California, and uh over there, she met a pastor that God gave him a vision to open um theology college in Brazil, oh. and he invited her to be his secretary she since she knew the language and So that was her actually only and first job up until today.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's great. And so she started with him in the U.S. and then went back to Brazil to help open the school? Awesome, awesome.
1: And because of that, that's how actually I learned English, because my mom uh, worked for an American, and we also would host American people in our house and do uh, bit trips with them. So that's how I got to learn English on my own. That's fantastic,
0: and obviously also introduced to the Lord as well, I presume. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, what were some of the early things that you remember about your childhood? Were there other people that you know were at the school that kind of had influence on you? And mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about those folks.
1: Sure. Um, because my mom uh, traveled a lot right. uh, for her job, so we would stay with babysitters or family members. And so I always learned that, you know, other people, God sent other people in my life that would love me, even though I didn't have the perfect family where mom and dad is at home all the time. Um, And um, I always had family at churches that was sort of like my role model. And the the pastors um, at our churches was also um, very supportive to my family. So I appreciate having them in my life.
0: So you really had quite a broader family, and it sounds like a, a pretty good Christian family in that, yes. right? Yes. Most of the folks were there. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. And did you stay at one school pretty much growing up, um, You know, going through what we would call elementary, middle school, high school, mm-hmm. or was your education a little different given that it was a Christian school? Uh,
1: no, I stayed uh, to the same school for elementary and middle, and then yeah. when, she, when she went to high school... Uh, because I was playing volleyball and we got a scholarship for, yeah. for the team. So we, right, uh, right. This good private college, uh, school, high school, uh, paid for, for my studies.
0: Nice. And that was in Sao Paulo.
1: Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Great. Great. So how did you get introduced to volleyball? It sounds like that was a pretty important part of your background. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit when you came to school in the U.S.
1: Sure. Uh, like my mom, she tried really hard to introduce me to instruments. Like I. I to play piano, um, guitar, right. <laughs> I wasn't too interested in all of that, and I was growing too fast. When I was uh, 14, I was already
0: 5'11". Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, uh, a family from church was part of this club, and they told me, like, there's a volleyball team there um, looking for players. Why don't I bring you there? (laughs) Good for you. And, um, my first day there, the coach looked at me and said, you are kind of late in here because the girls started when they're eight or nine, Mm, but I can I can teach a a tall girl to play, but I cannot make any short girl to grow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to sum it up. Did he put you in a striker or what was your position when you started?
1: um uh, middle middle here because okay. you you need to be tall to be middle because you also do a lot of blocking and Of
0: course. Yeah. Of course. Awesome. And so you started playing at 11 and pretty much mm-hmm. played all the way through college. Do you still play today? Do you do you pick up games or anything like that or is volleyball not as big a part of your life now?
1: No, it is. It's one of my favorite hobbies today. Uh, before yeah. before kids I used to play more. Um, now I do whenever I can, (laughs) but, uh, here in New England, there's a good, uh, organizations where you can play over the weekends or nights. That's great. Very good. Very good.
0: It's a good sport, right? Particularly keeping healthy and keeping fit with.
1: Oh yes. And, uh, you know, you get to know people that are also love to play and on, on the same level. So I made good connections playing. Awesome. It's a good way to mommy to distress. (laughs)
0: The <laughs> there you mom. go. There you go. <laughs> Great. And during and your school life, were you a good student in school? Good grades?
1: Yeah. My mom was uh, so busy trying to raise us and work hard so we can you know, get a good lifestyle, and I didn't want to give her any extra headache. <laughs> right, right. So uh, I was pretty good. And, uh, and with a volleyball team, you had to keep your grades up, too. So
0: right, that right. pushes you good, to, good. to
1: be a good student.
0: Now, growing up in Brazil is a little bit different in the U.S. A lot of our CEOs did entrepreneurial things when they grew up, earned, you know, pocket money as we call it, or maybe even help pay for some of their education. Did you do any of that, or were you pursuing any, you know, commercial activities as a kid, or, or you know, pretty much focused on your schoolwork and volleyball?
1: Yeah, in Brazil, uh, when you decided to play a sport, it's different than here that right, it only right. do for a season. Uh, You actually play all year long. Oh, wow.
2: Wow. Yes. Cool.
1: So, for example, uh, over there, school is between like 7 a.m. and 2 noon. Yeah. And then we will practice from 1 to 5 or 1 to 6 and have games over the weekend. So I was pretty busy uh, with that. Yeah. But but, uh, as far as the leadership style and and learning how to be a leader, my mom, she was um, the leader for the teenagers in our church. Okay. And it was about 450 of us.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Wow. It's a big church. They have about 7,000 members.
0: Oh, that's huge. So you were involved with that then as well? Did you assist mom with some of the leadership activities she had?
1: Correct, so yeah, being yeah. Uh, side by side with her, she always put me in charge and, and
0: <laughs> <laughs> particularly with the younger ones, right And yes. uh, helped yeah. with that. So were there camps and Sunday schools and types of things? what were kind of some of the activities that were going on through through the church?
1: Correct. Um, so this uh, group of teenager that she uh, lead was very active in doing uh, like evangelism on the streets because uh, wow. or, wow. or hospitals or jails. And then, uh, during summer vacations, we can, uh, we also did some, uh, mission trips to, uh, poor parts of the country nice. where, you know, we, we help them, uh, feed them and help them, uh, clean their houses and also bring oh, the gospel.
0: That's great. Cool. So yeah. you were doing that as a teenager.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. And, um, you know, any jobs at all? I mean, were there part time jobs even in high school or, or eventually college? Or, or again, did you pretty much just focus on your schoolwork and volleyball during those days?
1: I focus in school and volleyball, but I also yeah. do a lot of volunteer. Again, uh, my mom comes uh, <laughs> influenced on that area a lot of times. Um, her job will bring um, a healthcare ministry here from United States.
2: So oh, doctors,
1: nice. doctors and nurses will come to poor areas in Brazil, and they need interpreters.
0: Right, So right.
1: even my English was intermediate, I was able to you always to do
0: that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So awesome. was, and yeah. mom, you said still involved with that school and the church. Is she still based in Brazil?
1: Yes, she is. Right now, she's enjoying wow. her life. Right, kids are grown. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I, I invite her to come, but she she has a good life there. She has yeah. she's doing the same job, and uh, you know, just enjoying traveling and enjoying friends.
0: Nice, nice. And what about your sister? Is she still in the country, or did she immigrate as well?
1: My when I was about a year into my marriage. She came to visit, and nice. then my husband had a friend at home from uh, Missouri. Right, and right. She, and you know how it goes, they fall in love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so she's married as well. And, and does she yes. live in Mass or does she live in Missouri?
1: She lives in Kansas City now. In
0: Kansas City, yeah. Oh, excellent. Married two right.
1: kids, yes.
0: So, so let's go to college. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we mentioned in your bio that you got a volleyball scholarship. Mm-hmm. You know, congratulations. My daughter also plays collegiate sports. She's a rower. So I know what kind of an intensive uh, period that is. And, and yeah. you went to the, uh, was it the University of Arkansas? Is that, is that where you got your, your scholarship? Yes. And yes. How, did you, how did you secure that? Was it, it, was it through application? Did they come down and recruit you? Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that transition.
1: Sure. I was actually practicing at my high school. Yeah. And uh, this coach from the University of Arkansas showed up in one of our practices. Wow.
0: Really? All the way down there?
1: Yes. Huh. Uh huh. She went to two states. So she went to Sao Paulo and she went to Rio. And um, she wanted to recruit five uh, players. Yeah. And um, she invited me and four other girls. But uh, we had to pass an English test that's called COIFO. Right, yeah.
0: right, the joyful, yeah,
1: yeah, and um, I, I remember when I was about uh, fifteen, my my mom wanted me to do like an international um, trip here and spend like a year in doing high school in the United right. States. So, but my coach said, "Don't go now. Wait until <laughs> yeah, until
0: college, yeah." And then
1: and then I always I always joke with him, like, "What do you mean, wait and do college in the United States? That's kind of impossible, and it's so far yeah. and." But you know, it did happen. My coach incentivized oh. me not to go when I was in high school, and and this coach show up in there. But um, I was the only one that passed the English test. The really? Other drove, yeah,
0: wow! Wow! Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Well, it was probably obviously due to the work you did it, it, for the Lord, right, in the church, and having yes. that exposure early on. Good. Yes. Well, that's yep. terrific. Uh, were there other schools that you took a look at, or was it kind of a single source decision as it relates to coming to the University of Arkansas?
1: It was a single source because yeah. she showed us that we live in apartments, not in dorms.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, it was truly like full scholarship. Even airplane tickets to go back wow. home during summer, they paid. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. And then did you play all four years?
1: Yes. Yeah. And then my, and then uh, I was kind of getting tired of living in Arkansas. <laughs> right, right, right. Because uh, being from Sao Paulo is sort of like being from like a New Big York city. or, yeah. yeah
0: exactly. Right.
1: And um, o- over the weekends, all we got to do is to go to Walmart, and, and <laughs> 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 there was not a lot going on.
0: <laughs> right, right. So you can you got your degree. How did you decide what to study there, and what did you study?
1: Uh, I decided to go for business
0: because
1: okay. uh, talking to my counselor it would give me like a broad. You know, if I want to, I can work in business and sports. I can work in business and in a medical facility. And uh, because my mom was into business, so I was like, well, I will try that. And and I, I think I like it, but eventually I fall in love with it
0: and uh, here I am. <laughs> That's great. Terrific. So, what was the first job that you took out of college? Did you go back to uh, Brazil right away? Did you stay in Arkansas, move to, to Mass? I think you met your husband somewhere along the way, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Correct. So, in yeah. my last year, I met my husband, and uh, we, we we were dating back and forth. So, he was in Massachusetts, and I was okay. in Arkansas. Right, right. And um, How did he- you meet? That's a God story. But it, <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> okay, so um, he was helping a church in Hawaii. It was oh. a, a Brazilian church in Hawaii. That He's Brazilian,
0: correct? He's Brazilian but it, too. But yeah. he had immigrated to the U.S. or had come here earlier in his uh, his yes. life than you? Okay. Yes, he
1: it. came here when he was about uh, 13 years old.
0: With okay, his family. with his family. Right, mm-hmm. got it. Okay.
1: And uh, he was in Hawaii uh, helping this pastor uh, run the church. And. Uh, the, he felt that he wanted to go to a Bible college
2: mm. and
1: he looked at Central Bible College in Missouri. And in order, you know, in one of the requirements for the college is to get a referral letter, sure. which my mom's boss went to that college.
0: Ah, okay. I'm seeing the so connection that's now. The connection. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so his dad calls uh, my mom's boss. Um, uh, job, uh, building and then uh, ask for the referral letter and my mom happened to be the secretary ah, was in charge. Right, was like,
0: oh, right. you, have
1: a, you have a son going to Missouri. I have a daughter in Arkansas. Maybe we should connect to them.
0: Ah, so she was a matchmaker. <laughs> huh? Yeah. yeah. Just, <laughs> Good old mom.
1: And the only thing we had in common was that because he was Brazilian I was Brazilian. That and, was it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh my and gosh. We, we
1: started talking at the MSN back on those days.
0: <laughs> right, right. Sure. And you're about the same age or were studying about the same time
1: yeah he yeah. uh yeah when we got yeah he's a uh, four years older than me so right got it but cool. he, he ended up not going to the college and went back to his home in massachusetts so uh we i went to uh, summer vacation in brazil right. and he also went there so we fought we met in brazil for the first you met time for the first
0: time so you'd ms obviously before that and then mm-hmm. met down there that's awesome yeah. cool was it yeah. love at first sight
1: uh, he, for him, yes. asked for me, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it took a little while. That's, that's the yeah. same with my wife and I. Yeah. She, yeah. she goes, yeah, I was interested in you and for other things at the time we first met. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. What oh, I probably in cool. love was more like he's uh passion about the Bible and about yeah. you know, God. And I always wanted that in a man to be faithful yeah. to God first.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So what was that first job that you took after graduating from the University of Arkansas?
1: Yeah. So then I moved. uh, So when we were engaged, he asked me, do do I move to Arkansas or you move to Massachusetts?
0: (laughs) That wasn't a hard question to answer, right?
1: Exactly. (laughs) But I don't know if there's any Arkansas people that are going to listen to this, so uh, don't
0: be offended. (laughs) It's a choice. It's a choice. There's people that obviously love that state. I've actually never been. I've traveled to most states in the U.S., but I say that's one that I have not yet visited, and I'm sure they're very nice places. So is he living in the Boston area or Worcester, right? Isn't that where you're based now? We're about 15
1: minutes from Boston.
0: Yeah, Yeah. cool, cool. So did you start with Mm -hmm. his company right away, or did you found something? Or Yeah, what was that first job?
1: Um, no, uh, he was working for a cable company, uh, sort of like as a salesperson, and then I came to work on their office.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Great. And did you kind of advance through leadership positions there, or was it more kind of just a you know job to cover the bills at that time?
1: Yeah, it was just to cover the bill because yeah. we want to get married in Brazil. Got so it. We, 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 and we were not enjoying our, our boss. So we we thought okay, let's work until our marriage date. Then we right. quit. Then we quit.
2: Yep, yep. <laughs> and then
1: we go get married. So right. we we stayed in Brazil for about a month in nice. in honeymoon. <laughs> got it. Great. Um, and then uh, no, no, because we didn't have any bills to pay here and um, no jobs too. But when we came back, then we both went and got our our job, our real job after uh, we we got married in Brazil.
0: Now, did you come back and work for the same company, or is that when you mm-hmm. started? Uh, Unique Pro, tell me a little bit about what happened sure. next.
1: Um, I went back and I found a job in a staffing agency. Okay. And he found a job uh, at Citizens Bank. All
2: right.
1: Kind of. And hmm. yeah. I uh worked at the staffing agency for a while and then I moved to another job uh where uh that's where I found me and I fell in love with business. Mm. Yeah. And and this other job job I was working in office as an account manager okay. and then the the boss gave me opportunity to sales, and then eventually to sales manager.
0: Nice. Uh, so what do you remember the first time you started managing people? Was it in the sales manager job? Correct. Yeah, and, tell us a little uh, bit about that.
1: And I was only when I went to sales manager, I was uh, twenty five.
0: Ah, wow, pretty young. Yeah.
1: Pretty young, and I had people that were forty
0: right. under me. Right. Sure.
1: So that was the first challenge. How do I get people that are under me to trust me, even though right, I'm right. much younger than them?
0: So how'd you do that?
1: I did that uh, like uh, really helping them accomplish the job, not just telling them what to do. Um, right. So I I ended up getting a an, an, we used to do uh, granite countertops in uh, for wholesale. Oh. So for okay. all for like low that was the product table. that was, was the product, okay. uh-huh. yeah. yeah. So I just went to every single class and. Uh, that I could take on that industry and became very knowledge knowledgeable on that. And, and, um, I had a bunch of sales guys under me and because huh. I worked in the office, I kind of helped them facilitate their job. Mm,
0: right, so brought right. them on my
1: side first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. And what were some of the early lessons that you learned in those early management experiences?
1: Um, it was really to trust people
0: mm-hmm, to do their work mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I felt that my other previous job on the staffing agency didn't trust us at all, and that made me feel very uncomfortable. Sometimes in the middle of the day, he would stop, make everybody leave their office so they can check our computers and see what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It was a very toxic environment.
0: Right. Right. So,
1: I would I always say that if I'm managing someone, I would never do that to them.
0: <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. the, some of the best lessons we learned were from some of the worst bosses, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, some of the behaviors that were exampled. Were, were there other things that you observed as an early manager and others that you said, I will never do that and change things when you, you know, now running your own company or had had other leadership responsibilities?
1: Um, that I would not do. Yeah, that
0: you would not do. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Besides
1: not trusting them. It would yeah. be to, to <laughs> <laughs> it would be to disrespect them, yeah, right? right? Even though you have somebody under you that did something wrong or even went to, against your core values or did something you know, bad with a the customer, uh, there's, there's mo- multiple ways you can uh, call somebody's attention yeah. or even letting yeah. the person go. So, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what the circumstances, the respect should be the number one. Even though the person on the other side is not being as respectful, I always try to bring the EQ to the room, take a big breath,
0: you
1: know, and and not lose my sight (laughs) with anybody.
0: Yeah, awesome. And uh, going back to your bio, I think it was about 2006, right, that your husband got into this commercial cleaning company with with Mm Pro, right? And did you join straight away at that time?
1: No, so uh okay. two thousand six uh he uh found a partner that was doing commercial cleaning in the Boston area. Okay. And he felt that Worcester, which is central mass, was could be a good potential to grow the business for expansion. that they could be yeah, yeah, for expansion.
2: Right. Right.
1: So my husband had his uh citizens' bank job during the day with suit and tie. And then at night he'll go and you know <laughs> clean, yeah. Wow! And he, he, he even has stories where the same person will go to the bank and see him there, and then go to uh, a <laughs> uh, workout and see him cleaning. It's like, what what are you doing? <laughs> what are you here?
0: doing? Oh yeah. God! Was the bank one of the customers? Did he do? Yes. It? yes. Oh, that's funny. Yes. Oh, that's great. How would he respond to that?
1: <laughs> well, this is my business, and I'm trying to grow. And when yeah. you start up, you you got to do everything right. You wear multiple hats.
0: Immigrants get the job done, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that job is. Correct. That's awesome. And so then when did you join?
1: So uh, in 2009, he and the partner split because right. they realized they had different values. Okay. And then the partner used to do sales and business development, and my husband was more operations. Sure. And um, when they split, the, the partner said, so who's going to do sales and business development because uh, you're, you're, you're probably not going to be able to do that. And then my husband answered, was like, my wife.
2: There you go.
1: And the partner said, well, this is this job is for like tough man. Uh, I don't think your wife will succeed in that position. And the problem is that I heard that conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I took that as a challenge.
0: There you go. Cool. And
1: we didn't have any kids, so we felt it was yeah. a good opportunity for me to leave my job, even though yeah. it was a stable and good you know, pay position. Right. To to start, we only had four accounts when I joined in 2010.
0: Huh. Great. So you came in in kind of a sales and leadership role, and then it sounds like your your husband actually left the business, right? Didn't he go and do something with his brother?
1: Correct. Yeah. Uh, bec- because as we keep growing, we were able to hire our first supervisor, and uh, supervisor was actually in charge of training and uh, doing inspections at nights with the right. cleaners. And uh, my husband's brother was just coming back from Afghanistan as, you know, working for the U.S. Army. And not okay. once you're there, you get paid. But once you're back, um, you kind of, kind of not getting paid and kind of lost what to do in life.
2: Sure.
1: Um, he tried suicidal like two or three times. And um, hmm. my husband uh, and him decided to do a business together. Right. He, his brother had a lot of knowledge in the car sales industry, and my okay. husband has a, had a knowledge in how to run a business. So they bought a small car dealership.
0: Okay, got it. Yep. So he worked together with him. So did he mm-hmm. exit Uniq Pro, or was he still involved? And is that when you kind of took over as CEO?
1: Yeah, he left because that that job with his brother was really like a full time right. position. And, um, and yes, we put the company in my name, and I became 100% ah, so a hundred percent owner.
0: so your woman woman-owned woman as well, owned business. Woman owned business. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. And when did that take place?
1: That was in two thousand and eleven. Eleven. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So you've been there about ten years, and you've been CEO and full mm-hmm. owner for about the last seven or eight.
1: Correct. Excellent. And And about uh, two years ago, uh, two three years ago, they sold the car dealership. And then my husband came back.
0: Oh, is he back now? Now he works for you. (laughs) 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 My wife and I have gone through a couple of iterations with that as well. In fact, we met, you know, we were talking about love at first sight. She was looking at me as a consultant and uh, a business partner in a a new Mm -hmm. business first. And I had some other interests. And, of course, we fell in love over time. (laughs) And that business, unfortunately, didn't make it through the Great Recession. And then when I have started this business, now she works for me. So we've got to flip that around. But that's good fun. And so what is... Exactly. Exactly. -hmm. What's his role now with the business?
1: Um, We keep going back and forth about a title for him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) His door says founder, his business card said general manager, but I, I got a new one for him and I think it's the perfect, I call him a CVO. Okay. Chief Visionary Officer. Ah, I like that.
0: I like that. <laughs>
1: he truly has, like, he's more like a visionary. He's and the
0: forward, thinking Correct. He can
1: see yeah. how our business will look like five, ten years from now. Awesome. And I'm more about, like, let's get this going. Let's, you know, uh, yeah. get this better and all that. So he works out pretty good, actually. He, he said that I was his best hire.
0: And And now he's yours. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) And and, uh, uh, how many employees now? What's the approximate size of your business?
1: Uh, We have 166 employees as of today, between uh, part-times and full-times.
0: Right, right. All W-2, or you have a combination of 1099s?
1: No, all W-2. Yeah, we we have this model about having our employees so we can train them, we can manage them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it, what's what's the footprint? Are you still kind of the Greater Worcester area, or do you go even further down?
1: No, now we have all uh, all around Massachusetts, so nice. um, from east to west coast,
0: yeah. and we
1: also serve in New Hampshire and Rhode Island.
0: Yes, congratulations! And how much has it grown? You know, from the time that you came in and as CEO in 2011 till today. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, we had four accounts in 2010, yeah. and now we have 144.
0: Wow, yeah. congratulations. Explosive. Go yeah, ahead, oh yeah, I'm sorry.
1: No, so we, we diverse a little bit, so we have government facilities, we have yeah. schools, medical, so um, we That's do great. different types of facilities, so that helped us with the growth.
0: And what's your goal? Are you looking to expand beyond, you know, Massachusetts, throughout all of New England, uh, national, global, go back to Brazil, you know, (laughs) if if you look at the longer term, what does your chief visionary officer say?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, being a woman-owned, I started to go through a lot of woman-owned conferences, and I earned, I got my certifications as woman-owned. And there's a lot of potential, uh, even for you to do national accounts. and. So I met this woman in a conference, and she has an office in New York and an office in Miami, and she has about 10,000 employees doing the same thing that we do. Wow. And all because of those uh, national RFPs, right? Yeah, right. Um, I go to this conference, and I stop by a booth, and they say, yes, we have RFP for cleaning coming up. You want to take the east part of the country or the west?
2: Wow. Wow.
1: Um, so right now, um, we are uh, looking to open an office in close to Orlando, Florida. Ah,
0: congratulations. So we can actually yeah.
1: expand and connect, you know, Florida and Massachusetts and Start serving the east part of the country. So that's Fantastic.
0: our- Fantastic. Like a five-year goal plan. Wow. Great. And uh, we talked a little bit about C12 earlier on. As you know, I'm a member as well. I've been involved in the founding, actually, founding member of our C12 group in Connecticut. I understand you're in the Massachusetts group. How long have mm-hmm. you been involved in C12 and what kind of an impact has that had on your business?
1: Oh, huge. I always say yeah. my life before C12 and my life after. <laughs> wow. Um, before C twelve, I was part of a group that had a bunch of CEOs too, giving me advices of growth. But right. they they were CEOs that keep telling me, "Oh, you have to work from seven to ten, make it grow, grow, grow," and mm. all about the numbers. But I had two small kids, and um, along you need this,
0: a balance, yeah, I need
1: a balance, and um, so my values kind of didn't match. And right. once once I found C twelve, they, I had people telling me, "Work until." God's telling you to do if it's five or and then God will honor you. So um mm. I do work into five with my table full things to do, but God has been honoring me because I don't I don't want to be one of those parents that says, Oh, I wish I had spent more time with right, my kids. I right. wish I you never had never get that,
0: that. back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. And when did you yeah. join?
1: I joined uh January two
0: thousand fifteen. Okay, gosh. So this yeah. is going on your fourth year. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. Great,
1: how long, so can, how long can I
0: have you been a member? Yeah, we we started the uh, chapter in uh, October of 17. So I guess yes. I'm kidding up on my second full year will be this fall. And mm-hmm. so we've been through, you know, three calendars, eight, 17, 18, and now into 19. And, you know, the group's still growing. We're at about 10 or 11. And mm-hmm. I think our chairman's thinking about starting another group soon, but uh, it's been fantastic for me too. And, you mm-hmm. know, I work in executive recruiting. And one of the benefits I wasn't expecting was to get C12 candidates beca- or clients because so many of them, you know are looking to, like you to grow and you know they like to be able to work with a faith-based recruiter because they'll mm-hmm. know that you know we do the screening as it relates to the type of people that not only fit their company culture but mm-hmm. also the belief system. And you know you know that from hiring people and as you've grown, yeah. you know to have people that are you know aligned it, it's easy to find people that can work hard, right? But being able to find people that are really aligned with your values is a very important yes. part of the growth because yes. you, you want to grow the right way. Right.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: So, talk to us a little bit about that, and, and specifically the company culture. You know, you obviously came into the business after your you know husband had started things, but you know, I'm sure your company culture has evolved as your company's grown. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So when I joined at Twelve, I kind of my husband and I had in our hearts sort of our values and what we believe, but right. we never like exposed to our employees and really talked about it. Um so right. my C12 group helped me to put together our you know mission statement our core values and now nice. it's it's not that we only hire Christian com- uh, Christian employees right. nothing like yeah. that but on the onboarding process we share with them Who our values right. and that we are a Christian company and um if they agree with all of that then they're welcome to join our company yeah. and Very i would important. say that uh, when I am a higher cleaner, their eyes just go... Their mind, they're just blown away because... They always share how in previous jobs they felt they're just a bunch of mop heads. Mm. And here I am, you know, we're telling them how much we care about them, Respect the importance them. of their job. Yes. Oh,
0: good for you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's great. I'm glad to hear you do that. And, you know, with our C12 uh, clients, and about 20% of my business now is C12, we'll actually put, you know, Christian-owned business or faith-based business. And, you know, it kind of acts as a nice selector, right? People that mm-hmm. see that and read that, they know where the integrity and the value and the ethics stand. And I'm I'm glad to hear that you put that up front because, you know, there will be some people that will say, "Well, that's not for me. And that's just fine. You know, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be a good employee somewhere else. But it's great to hear that that's welcomed, right? Because I'm sure, unfortunately, so many folks who work in, you know, blue-collar type of jobs that that you hire for uh, don't get treated with that type of respect. So I bet you have pretty high retention.
1: Yes, and that's actually uh, uh, one of the reasons, like, this past year we keep getting awards, and I've been oh, able to you. speak in some events. And that's a, one of my number one questions, like, uh, in our industry, turnover is so normal. It's basically 85% the norm, wow. and our turnover is 13%.
0: Wow, that's incredible. That's fantastic. Congratulations on that.
1: Thank what, you.
0: What else is unique about your company culture at Unipro?
1: Um, I would say the uh, after I read a book called The Servant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They uh, talks about uh, how in the past there is this pyramid where CEO is on the top, and then you mm-hmm. know leadership,
2: operation,
1: and then the front liners all doing the bottom.
2: yeah. Yep. And
1: everybody's worrying about serving the people on the top. <laughs> like, what what is my manager thinking about me? What's my CEO thinking about me? And that was the main concern. Right. But that book explains how um, changing the pyramid upside down. Turn it upside down. Yeah, the yes. inverted
0: pyramid. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So
1: after I read the book, I, I I kind of felt that way, but now it's put into words. Right. I literally brought the pyramid here in our office, and I turned the pyramid upside down. Good for and you. And I told my leadership, my job is to serve you, leaders and managers, making sure you have the right tools and resources. And I, I, I want you guys to do the same for the people under you and eventually our customers are going to be served so we we turn we turn it down it's not like how how can you serve me? But it's different. How can yeah. I serve you? Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, that's fantastic. I, I worked for large corporations for most of my corporate career. I was with Procter Gamble and Disney. Great companies, a lot of good training, but it really was that way. You serve the hierarchy, right? You know, and mm-hmm. you were always positioning up down. And I remember the very first time I worked for a middle market company as a operational executive before I started recruiting. And, and that was exactly what he told me. He said, Look, Brand, I believe in an upside down pyramid. Mm-hmm. I'm here to serve you. I want, you know, my doors open. And it was so Refreshing, and yeah. I loved working at that company. And they've ended up becoming a client. In fact, I was just in touch with uh, the CEO of that company on another opportunity not too long ago. And I always remember that discussion and how much of an impression that made on me. I'm glad to hear you're doing that.
1: Yeah, it is. It is, and I also I, I feel good about my job, knowing yeah. I'm impacting people's life. I remember after uh, I left the, my first Sitwell conference. That's when, like, my mind really opened up. How my uh, my business can actually be our ministry,
2: sure. be-
1: because my my uh, husband's father is a senior pastor, and he always dreamed that one day we will take over the church. Mm.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: but we felt that that was not our call. So when we looked uh, back in 2015, we only had like a little less than 100 employees. And we left the com- uh, conference and we, we prayed, say, God, how can we love our employees? Right. N- not just know them, but like love them and see how we can make a difference in their life because mm. we know they're working for us. It's not a coincidence. There is a purpose. So how we can impact their life. So uh, the last. Two years, we started implementing like a one-on-one ministry and really finding it out, specific needs.
0: So I'll mm. give you an
1: example. I have a bunch of employees that never thought that they can get, buy a house right, because of right. their income or because sure. they don't have 20% saved, all that. Right, right. So we we brought a loan officer and a realtor here. Mm. And... And they explained, no, you can buy a house even with 0% down, especially because it's your first home, and and gave them all the tools and resources, Uh, what to do. and for you. Yeah, so small things. And then I I have many different examples like that um, where we came and we met a specific need of an employee. And yes. sometimes it's not even about money. It's not giving them raises right. or anything. No,
0: usually isn't. It's <laughs> just yeah. showing that you care, right? <laughs> yes. And providing yes. the respect. You know, a lot of C12 members have done chaplain ministry. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've done as well at Unic Pro?
1: Correct. Uh, we implemented yeah. not too long ago because think about our dynamics. We have employees yeah. oh, everywhere. Gosh.
2: Absolutely.
1: We have uh, seven, eight different languages
2: Blue in spoke.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and they work multiple hours. I have right. clients right. that we provide them service morning, afternoon, overnight. Um, so having a chaplaincy meet and work in twenty four seven. But 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 we found a company that were managed to do that. We use about seven or eight chaplains. They do phone calls, and if, if they nice. see that, they do site visits. So Has that been
0: well-received, yeah, by the rank and file? Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, you introduce them, and people kind of get
0: yeah. sceptical about it. A little sceptical at mm-hmm. first, right, right.
1: But then, but then, like their son goes to hospital and they don't know what ah. to do, and then the chaplain shows up, and and then they understand why we're doing that. Uh-huh. You know,
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. God bless you. That's fantastic. Well, Lillian, you've been very, uh, very, very generous with your time. I appreciate that. I've got a couple more questions, and then I'll let you go. Um, you know, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire? Um, number one,
1: their culture and. Mm. Um, I like to ask them a question like, "When you are under pre- pressure, give me an example. When you are under pressure, and what was mm. your reaction to it? Yeah. Um, because we do have moments of high pressure in here. Sure. And
0: what kind um, of answer do you look for when you when you ask that question?
1: The the person that didn't lose any control. I think yeah. nowadays yeah. EQ is what brings you higher and That's right. grow. <laughs> yeah, um, but more 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 than IQ. <laughs>
0: right, of course. Yeah. yeah.
1: Fantastic. And, what uh, else? Anything
0: I, I looked, else you look for? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, people that are humble, that yep. are always looking mm-hmm. to learn. Um, one, of our, one of our core values is trustworthy, meaning that we do what's right even when people are not watching. Because right. think about it. We're in this building. Nobody's watching us. Not That's every right. building has camera. And, yeah. and then yeah. I had employees saying, oh, I'm just, I can tell that I didn't clean the office because I couldn't open the door. And mm. I said, is this true? It's not true. So we yeah. want people that we can really trust and are yeah. humble to assume when a mistake was made. Um, because I, I'm I, I, I try yeah. to be as humble as possible when I make a mistake, and I'm the first one to ask for forgiveness. Of
0: course. So yeah. we, I yeah. look
1: the same when we want to yeah. hire.
0: Fantastic. Last question, you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone who, you know, has their eyes on their own corner office? Maybe like you, you know, going into a company or founding a company or, you know, going into a company founded by their husband and taking over as CEO mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, climbing the corporate value. What, what, what do you think is important for people that are maybe a decade or so younger mm-hmm. than you that are looking for, you know, running or leading a company?
1: Sure. Um I remember when I was struggling because I was a sales, I was a HR, I was right. a bookkeeping and, uh, you know, all that. And some people, they struggle to pass that. That's why there's so many companies that never pass think, a million, right? In sales. That's right. That's right. So a very good exercise that I did, and i would be talking and sharing this with so many people, you, you do like a, a cross and then on the left, you do, uh, what are you great at it? On the right, you do what are you good at it? And mm-hmm. then at the bottom, mm-hmm. what are you average or less than average? So anything that you write under that line where you uh, so for example, I'm not good about bookkeeping and um, putting numbers in and out. And right. People. So what I did, I hire uh, hire people that were good about the things that I wasn't good go. at it. Yeah. So yeah. hire people that don't be afraid of hiring and delegating. Um, exactly. Because if I didn't do that in like in 2011, 2012, I'll never be able to get where we are today.
0: That's right. That's right. Fantastic! Great. Well, Lillian Radke, CEO of Pro, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.